Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. God is so good. Anyway, we've been teaching on the grace life, and I'm going to continue to teach on the grace life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please don't get mad at me. I love you, but don't tell me about it if you don't like grace. If you come to this church, you'll hear grace. Amen? Because grace has really changed my life. And you really wouldn't want to know me before I understood grace. It's changed me so much. Barbara says, listen, you're not even like living with the same person. Amen? And that's the truth, because I know it's not about me, it's about Jesus. Amen? But we're going to be in uh, Galatians chapter 6 today. We're going to talk about the spirit of grace. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, it says, He that sows to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. You know, Jesus came to give you an abundant life. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and that life more abundantly. John chapter 10, verse 10. He wants to give you a rich, full, abundant, blessed life. The blessed life is in Jesus. Amen? Now, when you have the spirit of grace, he that sows to the spirit of the spirit, he shall reap life everlasting. Amen? When you have the spirit of grace in you, did you know what? It will be reflected in your life. In fact, there's a prophecy about Israel in the last days in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And he said, I will pour upon the house of David the spirit of grace and supplication, and they will look on me whom they've pierced. Grace is really all about Jesus. He's the embodiment of the grace of God. And right here in Galatians chapter 6, I believe Paul's talking about the spirit of grace. And how is the spirit of grace reflected in our life? Well, I believe the first thing that happens really when you get the spirit of grace and when you get an understanding is you become more gracious. Now, listen, I'm still working on it. I'm not always as gracious as I should be, right? But I believe when you have the spirit of grace, you become more gracious. Amen? I know I did. I became a lot more gracious with my sons, a lot more gracious with my wife, a lot more gracious with my church when I got a revelation of grace. Now, in Galatians chapter 6, 1 through 5, Paul says this, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness and consider yourself, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill all the law of Christ. For if a man thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then he'll have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man will bear his own burden. Listen, he says, listen, if you're spiritual and somebody has a fault, you restore such a one in a spirit of meekness and consider yourself lest you be all also tempted. What's he saying? We need to be gracious with other people. I wrote something the other day when I was going through this. Said, don't jump to conclusions. You know, a lot of times people, when they hear somebody's done something negatively or what they perceive is negatively, they jump to conclusions. You know what? They, made, they make a judgment, right, before they've even understood what's going on 
You know, in America, in the, in the judicial system, at least the say, way it was set up to work, you are innocent until proven guilty. Somebody said this, don't judge another person until you've walked a mile in, your sho- in their shoes. A lot of times, you, you really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So be careful not to criticize, right? Be careful not to judge too quickly, right? Now, in Romans chapter 15, Paul talked about this same thing, and he said this in Romans 15. We'll read verses one through three. He said, we who are strong should bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good, for his edification. Listen, we need to think about what's good for everyone involved. What's good for our neighbor? For Christ pleased not himself, but it's written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell upon me. Jesus talked about it in the Sermon on the Mount in John chapter 7. He says in verse 1, we'll read the first six verses of Matthew, excuse me, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 6. Judge not that you be not judged. For with whatever judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with whatever measure you beat, meet, it will be measured to you again. Why do you behold the splinter that's in your brother's eye and don't consider the log that's in your own? How will you say to your brother, let me pull out the splinter that's in your eye when you have a log in your own? You hypocrite. First cast out the log of your eye, then you will see clearly to cast the splinter out of your brother's eye. Do not Give that which is holy to the dogs. Neither cast your pearls before the swine, lest they trample you under their feet and turn again and rend you. What's Jesus talking about? He's like, be gracious, right? Be gracious with other people. One person said this, a lot of times we judge other people by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. Turn that around and you won't like it very well, okay? Amen? So be gracious with other people. Be gracious and When he says, don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Paul talks about that in Philippians chapter 3. And he says, beware of dogs. Beware of the concision. He's talking about religious people. Right? He He says, those of us, we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. We are the true covenant people. We worship God in the spirit. It's not about the outward realm. It's not about all those things. It's about the inward realm. Praise God. You got to be. Now, when the Bible says beware of dogs, that's what he's talking about. Watch out for legalism. Watch out for religious people. Now, what do dogs do if a dog gets wounded? There's a pack of dogs. They'll all go attack the wounded dog and kill it. Right? So he says beware of dogs. Don't act like a bunch of dogs. Don't act like a bunch of legalists. Because this is what legalism does. Legalism kills. Paul says it really clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You've got to watch out for that legalistic spirit. You've got to watch out for legalism because it will not produce life. Listen, it will kill you. It will not help you. It will hinder you. It will hurt you. And so we need to be gracious with other people. And he says right here in Galatians chapter 6, he says, listen, if you're spiritual, you restore others in a spirit of meekness, and you consider yourself. Listen, if it wasn't for the grace of God, there would we be. Right? So everybody say, thank God for the grace of God. 
And I believe when we have the spirit of grace, we become more gracious. The second thing I believe when you have the spirit of grace is we become more generous. Praise God. Grace people really are generous people. Look at what he talks about in verse 6 through 10. Let him who's taught in the word communicate to him who teaches in all good things. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. You know, this is actually used, if you read verse 6 through 10, in a positive connotation. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption or death, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we don't faint. As we have opportunity, therefore, let us do good to everyone, to all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. Listen, when we understand grace, when we get a revelation of grace, I believe that we're, we're good to everybody. I believe that we're generous to everybody. You know, the Bible says this in Psalms. It says God is good to all. His tender mercies are over all of his works. Praise God. I believe that we'd get a lot farther in winning the world if we'd be demonstrating the grace of God to them. Praise the Lord. We, we need to be demonstrating the grace of God. We need to be demonstrating the goodness of God. Praise God. Show them the grace of God. And one way that we can show people grace is when we give to them, right? I believe grace people, and those who have the spirit of grace, I believe the spirit of grace is a spirit of generosity. Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the grace of giving, and he uses the example of Jesus. And he says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, even though that he was poor, yet for your, even though that he, excuse me, he was rich, even though he had an abundance of everything, yet for your sakes, for our sakes, he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. Now, when you study that out, talking about Jesus becoming poor, one way to look at it is this. Any condition on earth would be considered poor with where he came from. Jesus was in the beginning with the Father. He was creating all things, right? And any condition on earth would, become, would be considered poor. And yet, when it says that he became poor, it literally means he came to nothing. He came to the point of being an absolute beggar. It's actually talking about Jesus dying on the cross, when he became sin for us, right? When he took our anxiety, when he took our poverty, when he took our sickness on the cross. And so Jesus laid down everything. He came to the point of absolute, being an absolute beggar. He had nothing. He laid down everything there on the cross. He said that we through his poverty might become rich. Even though he was rich, he had everything he laid down everything. He became poor. He, he became at the point of a beggar. Jesus took our sin, our sickness, our anxiety, and our poverty on the cross so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. That word, to become rich, at the end means to grow wealthy. Praise God. When you really understand what Jesus did for you, you can grow wealthy. Grace. He's using Jesus as the greatest example of grace, and Jesus is the greatest giver. Listen, if Jesus is living in you, you've got the greatest giver in the universe living on the inside of you. 
Now, Paul's talking about that same principle in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and he's talking about the grace of giving. And in, in verse 8, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, he's talking about sowing and reaping. He says, if you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. If you sow, you know, sparingly, you reap sparingly. But he says this, for, he says, but the God of all grace, amen? The God of all grace. How many of you are glad the God of all grace is able God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things. I like that. You always, everybody say always, have all sufficiency in all things. So he says when, when the grace of God abounds to you, right? The God of grace, when God in his grace, he says, may the grace of God abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Say that, say, I always have all sufficiency in everything and I abound to every good work. Hallelujah. You know what? I sat down the other day and I wrote down a plan how I could give a million dollars away. Now, we've given a few million away. But listen, I'm planning on some great things happening and I'm planning on giving a million dollars away all at once. Hallelujah. And so I wrote down, right, how I could give a million dollars away, praise God, <laughs> at one time. And I wrote down who I would give, a, you know, a million dollars to. And I, I believe God's able to make that happen. Praise God. I believe, you know, we've given a few million away. So we're not talking about something that we haven't experienced. We're not talking about something that we haven't done. We've already been operating for a few years, giving a half a million a year away. But I'm talking about just, just getting a super blessing and just, just blessing some people. Hallelujah. Amen. Just help. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Does that, I don't know if that cranks your tractor, but that cranks my tractor. <laughs> Amen. God is able to make all grace, all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency. I like that. Always having all sufficiency in all things. All sufficiency. In, I got plenty of money to pay the light bill. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got plenty of money to buy. In fact, I got so much groceries, I got to take some of it and give it away. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I got plenty of money to bless. Hallelujah. Other people. Hallelujah. The God of all grace. The God of all grace. You know, the God of all grace may abound to you. That you always have in all sufficiency, in all things, in every. I got plenty of money so Barbara can go shopping and give gifts to the grandkids. Amen. And the kids. And guess what? Inflation is happening, so I'm giving them more than I used to give them. That you always having all sufficiency in all things, in all things may abound Abound, abound, not just a little, may abound to every good work. 
Hallelujah. I'm excited about I get excited about that. I believe God loves giving. And I believe when you get connected with God, you're going to love giving. And, and you know what? I believe that God gives seed to sowers. Listen, this didn't start. I'm 58 years old. This didn't start yesterday. Before I was 18, I gave a $1,000 gift, amen, to a missionary. Praise, and I didn't make a lot of money. I made like $3 an hour. So a $1,000 gift was 333 hours work or something like that, amen? But I planned on it. I got excited about it. And, and I, I remember when, when I went to my church, when I made $800 a month, I gave $200 a month. I gave $80 tithe and a $20 offering and $100 in the building fund. Praise God. I love giving. I believe God loves giving. Amen. When we planted our first church in Kit Carson, we, we, we just decided in the beginning, we're going to tithe off every dime that comes into this church. We're going to give to missions. We're going to give to missionaries. We're going to give, you know, to other ministries outside. And while I was there in Kit Carson, we gave about 50% of the money away the 13 years that I was there. Praise God. And we just gave consistently. And guess what? God met all of our needs. We had, we had a brand new church paid for in 15 months. It was supernatural. Because if you make a decision to give, if you make a decision to be a sower, if you make a decision to bless, God will see that you have seed to sow. Hallelujah. Amen? And so listen, he says, listen, we, I believe if you have the spirit of grace, it's going to be revealed in generosity. In fact, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 15. He says, there are those who've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. We've just got addicted to giving. Hallelujah. I, I got this from Mark Hankins, but he says, if you get addicted to giving, God will support your habit. Amen. And listen, if you've been around Mark Hankins very much, he may offend some of you in the realm of money. I may offend some of you in the realm of money. But if you get around Mark very much, you, you get to understand the guy is a very generous person. And guess what? He doesn't lack. Hallelujah. It comes back because when you get involved in the grace of giving, it'll come back to you. Good measure, shaken down, pressed together, and running over. Men will give unto your bosom for with the same measure that you measure it out, with the same way that you give it out, it'll come back to you. That means if you give it out in teaspoonfuls, it'll come back in teaspoonfuls. That means if you give it out in shovelfuls, it'll come back in shovelfuls. That means if you give it out in bucket loads, it'll come back in buckets. That means if you give it out in truckloads, It'll come back in truckloads. Guess what? I've got truckloads of blessings coming my way. Hallelujah. My giving is making a way for my living. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make a living. That is a sorry way of thinking. I'm not worried about the price of gasoline. I'm not worried about inflation. Listen, I'll have enough. But at the same point in time, I don't like what some of the liberals have done. But at the same point in time, you know what? God is my source. Amen. And heaven supplies all my needs. And I don't have to lack in it. Those who trust in the Lord shall not lack any good thing. That's Proverbs chapter 34, verse 10. Amen. Psalm 35, 27 says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And it's talking about physical, financial prosperity. Shalom is the Greek, the Hebrew word, excuse me. 
Hallelujah. I like that word. Amen. And I better quit preaching or I'll preach a whole message on this. But you know what? Don't be weary in well-doing. In due season, you'll reap. Keep sowing good seed and you're going to reap a good harvest. Amen. Just don't quit before your harvest. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. Let me show you something. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 through verse 12. Let me listen, listen to what Paul says. He says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. We're ministering to the saints. He's talking about giving, communicating, right, in all good things. Right, he says, and we desire every one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to them that you don't be slothful, but followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You know what? When you understand grace, guess what the response is? Faith. The end of Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through verse 14, I believe is talking about getting a revelation of grace. And the natural response to that is when you get a revelation of grace, you walk in faith, Right? Galatians 5 verse 6 says this. He says, in Christ Jesus, circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything but faith that works by love. Faith works when you get a revelation of how much God loves you. That's what that means. When you understand it, it just works. Praise God. Now, God is a generous God, and we're partakers of his generosity. Amen? Every, every person on the planet has partaken of the generosity of God, whether they realize it or not. God is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all of his works. And so the spirit of grace is revealed in graciousness. The spirit of grace is revealed in generosity. I believe the spirit of grace glories in the cross of Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 11 through verse 15. He says, you see how large a letter I've written to you with my own hand. As many desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Listen, legalistic people are mean. And he said, if you don't go their way, they're trying to get you circumcised, lest they suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Now, maybe people aren't as legalistic about circumcision as they were in Paul's day, but they're mean about, they're mean, right? And I got to watch it, right? I don't want to have that mean legalistic spirit in me. Praise God, because God lives in me and he's love. He says, neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. It's like they want to get another notch on their gun. Look what I did, Right? He says, God forbid, look at verse 14, that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. For in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. You know, there's four deaths that need to take place in every believer. First of all, there's a death to sin, right? And when you understand who you are in Christ, right? We left the reign of sin and death, it says in Romans chapter five, and we've come into a reign of grace and righteousness. Romans 5, 17 says something like, for as sin reign, right, or death reign through sin, even so those who've received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen? So we left this reign of sin and death. We came into a reign of grace and righteousness. 
Now Romans 6, 7, and 8 tell us how we live in the reign of grace and righteousness. And he says in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now what caused them to ask that question? He preached grace. And if people never ask that question, you have not adequately preached the grace of God. But if you adequately, and I've had people in the last week ask that question. Amen? Pastor, we want to hear the other side. I'm not going to preach it to you. I am not going to mix law with grace. Because it doesn't work. That's what Paul's addressing. That's what the gospel addressed. The law could never save you before Jesus. Your performance could never save you before Jesus. And it can't save you since Jesus. It's Jesus that saves you, period. But if people never ask that question, you haven't adequately preached grace. In fact, I've been accused of all that I preach is grace. And I told my accuser, listen, I spent 21 weeks this year preaching the gospel of John. Now I realize I mix the gospel, I mix grace in everything that I preach. And the reason that I mix the gospel, that I mix grace in everything that I preach is because grace is what makes it work. <laughs> Amen? But if people never ask that question, shall we continue in sin? Is this what you're saying, Pastor? Are you telling people just to, you know what grace will do? Grace will reveal what's in your heart. And that's why some people go crazy when they get a hold of grace. It's because their heart's not right. But it'll show you what's in their heart. Hallelujah. Preaching the grace of God will reveal what's in someone's heart. But Paul says, shall we continue in grace? This, shall we continue in sin that grace... His answer is, in the strongest language that I can use without offending you from the pulpit, God forbid. And he says in Romans 6, there are four reasons we don't live in sin. We're dead to it, we're free from it, we have authority over it, and it'll kill you. <laughs> sin is stupid. Sin is emotional. Sin is all the above. Amen. Stay out of sin. It's, it's bad for you. But the way out of sin is not the law. Amen. So we're dead to sin. So we die to sin. He says, but not only does there need to take place a death to sin, in Romans 7, he says there needs to take place a death to the law. And in Romans chapter 7, let's just go there really quickly, verse 4 through verse 6. Let's look at it. Paul says this in Romans 7, verse 4. He says, wherefore, my brethren, you're become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you would be married to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we would bring forth Fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, in my understanding, Paul uses this term in the flesh right here in Romans chapter 8, verse 8. He's talking about before you got saved. When we were in the flesh, the motions of sin which were by the law worked in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead where we held, we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So he said we died to the law, right, so we can be married to Jesus. Right now that we're married to the Jesus, we're delivered from the law. 
So we're dead to it and we're delivered. So there, there has to be this death, right? Death to sin, first of all, but then death to the law. In fact, when Paul makes this statement in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's talking about being dead, about dying to the law. And it's the context in Galatians chapter 2. Let's read it really quickly. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 he says this, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, for by the but by the faith of Jesus, even we believed in Jesus that we might be justified by faith, the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Who wants to be the best sinner in hell? Do I have any takers here? Nobody wants to be the best sinner in hell? That's what the law will make you. The law will make you a good sinner, but the law will not save you. The law cannot save you. In fact, I would rather be the worst saint in heaven than the best sinner in hell. Amen? I know that it's grace that saved me. Now, he goes on and says this, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we're found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? Again, he says, no, God forbid. And he talks about law-keeping for righteousness, he says, for if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. I'm not going to go back and make it about performance because it wasn't about performance. It's about faith. It's about Jesus. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live to God. The law shows me how impossible it is for me to be saved without simply trusting Jesus. He says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, Christ died in vain. So number one, four deaths in every believer. Number one, I'm dead to sin. Number two, I need to die to the law. Number three, I need to die to self. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. If any man follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever loves his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. That word life in the Greek is the word suke, his natural soulish life. Whoever loves his life, his own way of thinking, his own way of being, right, shall lose it. But whoever loses his life, his own way of thinking and being, for my sake shall find it. In Luke, he says, we've got to die daily. You've got to deny yourself and take up your cross daily. It, it, it's, it's, we've always got to lay down self. We've got to always lay down our own way of being and take up Jesus' way of being. Right? If we're going to live in victory as a believer, there's four deaths that need to take place. Death to sin death to the law, death to self. Self ties right in with the law because usually legalistic people are very self-focused. Right? The last one is death to the world. And Paul says right here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Listen, 
I died to the world. When, when you come into Jesus, when you get full of Jesus, when you get on fire with Jesus, guess what? You died to the world. And the world dies to you. How many of you have ever been rejected by any of your worldly friends when you got to really be on fire with Jesus? And you know what? Sometimes you just got to get some new friends. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't love worldly people. That doesn't mean that we don't befriend them, that we share with them, that we're kind to them. But listen, he says, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross by which the world has been crucified to me. The world just doesn't have the pull. In fact, when I talk a bit, hear these people talking about the good old days, you know when they were getting drunk and womanizing and doing all these stupid things? I think, man, they really don't understand it because that is not the good old days. In fact, even before I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and called to preach, I was 14 when that happened, I watched people doing stupid things and that and I thought that is not the life for me that is stupid right now I was born again but man when I got filled with the Holy Ghost guess what some of my people that I died to the world it did not attract me it did not compel me it did not pull me right at the same point in time I died to them right <laughs> like Come with us. Get involved. No, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I don't want to. Amen? I sin all I want to. I just don't want to. Jesus took the want to away. Amen? I chase all the women that I want to chase. I chase one redheaded woman. She's sitting right here on the front row. Dr. Delron Shirley says, you got your wife with you or your girlfriend? Well, my wife really has this beautiful curly red hair, but she straightened it today. So he, he says because of her hair, it's my wife or my girlfriend. She's both my wife. I got my wife. Come up here. This is my wife, and she's my girlfriend. Today she has her uh, girlfriend hair on, I guess. Amen. But I love it whether it's curly and red and bad or whether she fixes it. I love it anyway. I'm only chasing one woman and I'm in love with her. And I ain't going to chase no other woman. Amen. Praise God. And listen, if you're married, husbands, you need to be chasing your wife. And wives, you need to be chasing your husband. There needs to be some good things happening at your home. And if there isn't, I don't know. You need to read the Bible a little more because it'll help you. Amen. I love my wife. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, sin is stupid anyway. You cut it out. The world died to me and I died to the world. Do you understand? And so we've died to sin. We've died to self. We've died to the law. And we've died to the world. Paul says, love not the world. And, or John says this in 1 John chapter 2. In fact, go with me to 1 John 2. Let's read verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world is lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes and pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away and lust thereof. But he that does the will of God shall abide forever. Everything in the world. Listen, don't love the world. Now, I've heard that preach, and most of you have been in church any time you've heard that preach. But listen, there's some other things, right? And if you, most of us preach that, and when it's preached, we only preach verse 12 to verse 15 to 17. We don't preach verse 12 to 14. But let me tell you what verse 12 to verse 14 says. 
Verse 12 to verse 14 says, you're forgiven. You have a relationship with God. You're strong. You've overcome the evil one. And the word of God abides in you. Amen. And when you understand that you're forgiven, amen, that you have a relationship with God, that you're strong, amen, that you have already, not, not trying to overcome, that you have already overcome the wicked one and the word of God abides in you. Guess what? The lust of the flesh, amen, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life just doesn't have the pull on you that it once did. Amen? Praise God. So four deaths. Now, finally, let's go to Galatians chapter 6, and I'll finish this up. When we have the spirit of grace, we, have, we become more gracious. Number two, we become more generous. We glory in the cross, number three. But number four, we rest in the finished work. Jesus. Listen to what Paul says in verse 16 through 18. As many as walk according to this rule, peace on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. From this point, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Listen, there were some religious people that attacked him more than once. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. We rest. And we have this in the finished work of Jesus. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. He says, there remains therefore a rest of the people of God for he that has entered into his rest. Whose rest? The, the rest of Jesus has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Just like when God created the heaven and earth on the seventh day, he rested. He says, listen, Jesus has already done the work. We need to rest in the grace of God. We need to rest in Jesus. Amen? We need to rest in the finished work of the cross. So he finally, he, he, he brings us back the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with your spirit. Amen? It really ties right back into where he started in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I marvel that you're so soon removed from him who called you into the grace of Christ to another gospel. To move away from grace is to move away from Jesus. Amen? So thank God for Jesus. Just stay connected to Jesus. Amen? And I believe when you have the spirit of grace, you become more gracious. You become more generous. Amen? You, you learn to glory in the cross of Christ, and you rest in the finished work of Jesus. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.